Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their <laughs> magic. I'm your co-host, as always, Alex Dandino, soon to be joined by my weirdly clowned faced friend and main host, Josh Griffey, and special guest, but we'll get to that in a second. Guys, we hope you are enjoying uh, this horror abyss we have found ourselves in. If you are, please stop the pod right now and then go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you go, but Apple Podcasts helps us mostly. And if you can rate, review, and subscribe to the show, that would be wonderful. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, we're all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can email us if you want at filmalchemists at gmail.com, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. And then, of course, uh, catch us on YouTube at Nerd Alchemist Plural with an S. Uh, we got trailer reactions, this lovely show, and any other kind of fun videos you can think of. All right, that's enough business, as Griffey might say. I am doing the intro today because one of my dear, dear friends is doing the show with us. The movie we decided to watch was House of a Thousand Corpses by Rob Zombie, and mainly it's because of our guest. Um, his name is Rob Parr. Rob is a musician. He plays guitar in a band called The Deer Hunter. Uh, Rob and I have known each other since he was 15, since I was 15, sorry, he was like 16 or 17, but uh, since I was 15 years old, since we were in high school, young tykes, we were in a, a goofy little band together, we had a great time, and we've continued to be friends for a very long time, so when we were going down this road of craziness we're doing this month, 31 pods in 31 days, I thought Rob has to come out. Rob has sort of an affinity for horror movies, as I remembered when we were younger, Um and I remember he had a really good story for, or I remember at least him enjoying House of a Thousand Corpses. So I'm like, Rob, why don't you come and talk about House of a Thousand Corpses? He goes, all right, sure. It was as simple as that, as, as it usually is. So um, it it came about uh, a weird way how he saw it originally, and I'll let him tell the story. Griffey also has a bizarre story of seeing the trailer. This was my first time actually watching this movie. I know that's weird, but... Some movies you just have blind spots with, and Rob Zombie movies a lot of the time are those for me. Um, but that's enough of that. Let's get to the pod. Thank you very much for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the show. Rob, I love you. Thank you so much. Here we go. Wow. So that's the first time I've seen that movie. Um, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I liked it. I don't know why I've take this, taken this long to see it. It was. You've nev How old are you? 48 years old. You've never seen A House of a Thousand Corpses. I'm 52 years old. I've never seen A House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> I'm genuinely so surprised you haven't seen it, but it's mostly because I assume that you've seen all of the movies. <laughs> So I mean, it's like if I've seen it, you've definitely like written a paper about it. <laughs> yes, well, this absolutely. this one doesn't have a lot of uh, tap numbers, so that's why it slipped through the cracks. <laughs> Alex is like if Otis would have uh, you know put on the old man face and done a little click clack and yeah, Alex would have seen. Been, this I would have been in the movie. Sure. I would have showed it to my mom. That's how excited I would have been about it. Um, Please show this movie to your mom. Please show how I can't believe it, it is the movie right that. 
I feel like this is the movie my mom was always afraid I would be watching. Because every horror movie, like, she always was so upset when she caught me with horror movies. And I think this is what she thought they were all like. You know what I mean? And this was one of the first horror movies I remember seeing as a kid. Because I found Texas Chainsaw and Hellraiser Young. Right. And those were kind of life-altering moments of, like, holy shit. You know, they're, like, the most going-for-it movie you've ever seen. But this one came out, and I was just at that right age, right? When was this? 2003? Yeah. It yeah, was... so, like, young into college, right? Right. And it it was one of those movies, like, oh, my God, the rules are out. The shackles are I mean, this was years before Human Centipede. Kind of, again, <laughs> lowered the bar. But you're like, there's no more rules. It's unsafe at the movies. <laughs> the first association I had with this movie was Rob watched it. And I yeah. don't remember the context for how you saw it, but I remember <laughs> it happening. It was so it was such a surreal thing. Um, so basically, uh, a, a kid that lived across the street from me, from where I lived in like middle school and high school, for a little bit he went to a different school system. He went to the school system that Alex went to, um, and we just he like brought me to some party from people from his school, and we get to like a. A fucking mansion and i don't know these people and it's like these are like <laughs> cool kids and i am f- from a different place and very yeah. socially uncomfortable and and not so cool or rich of a kid and um so i like they're all huddled around the tv and their little thing which conveniently in this particular enormous house was sort of a little theater set up with couches in Good a little God inlet in the basement yeah and i'm like i don't know any of you people i will play pool by myself for the duration and so what what started as kind of literally me just playing pool by myself and then my friend played with me for a little bit and then being like come on man we're trying to watch this we're trying to watch this and i keep kind of glancing over and i'm like okay yeah okay and it just basically it ended up in this full reversal of like me sat by the tv screen alone and them doing whatever else yeah you just be like you guys quiet the fuck down i can't hear come on so that that was the first time i saw that's how you so let me get this straight if i've got my story correct you were living a john hughes movie (laughs) wherein you found film hipsters that were Accusing you of ruining Rob Zombie's chaotic masterpiece with the click clack of pool balls. And then, like the 8,000 dramatic push-ins in the movie, you were sucked into the film. I, I think, so first of all, I, th- I think, I think you're, you're misunderstanding these people. I don't think they knew what they were watching. Not a chance. I think it was like, yeah, Alex, Alex knows this town. They did yeah. not know yeah. what they were watching. The way I imagine it is the family from uh, The Purge 1. It's like, oh, guess what happens outside of our gates? Oh, God. I'm almost positive that's where it happened. It probably, yeah. rich people houses in Aurora were in this. Um, <laughs> it, this it, wasn't, it wasn't Barrington. It wasn't Barrington? It Fuck. was in Barrington. Oh, it was? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I knew So it. is it like The Purge if every character was James Spader from his uh, John Hughes days? <laughs> I don't know. That's not. That's the perfect crowd to watch a Rob Zombie movie with. Man. <laughs> no, I, I <laughs> well, this, think this one for. A... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> it's okay. I I genuinely I'm just. I, and again, I don't even remember who it was. Like I don't remember the people. I don't remember anything about 
like the specifics, but I can't help but feel like it was one of those like, no, we're gonna put on a scary movie and I'm gonna touch your boobs kind of situations with you know these uh, hormonal classic. high school kids. Absolutely. So that was already like the weird dynamic of like, why am I here at all? <laughs> but then that being totally flipped on people that I'm assuming were actually really like put off or disgusted by this movie that it was just like yes. listen i don't give a shit about your boobs anymore i gotta get out of this room <laughs> and then like that was how was that not on the poster a movie that will scare you from boobs but no that's i mean that's if, if i was picking right like what are the worst like i'm trying to grab a titty movie this would be high on the list i mean like that doesn't set the mood quick aside quick aside here the same per the same person that i went to this house with he and I had a double date at his house, and we decided to watch the movie Kids. So, oh, if you, another, just if you ever wow, want to wow. top the list of that like, might listen, this top. will put me. Yeah, yeah, it was a terrible decision. It was awful. It was woo, and I mean, like we, so, I, I had seen yeah, the movie. Your before. therapist notepads must be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, every time you hear a pool ball or. You think of a boob, you just see uh, Dwight as a merman. <laughs> merman! I, I have no uh, boob-related attachments to this film. I, it's just, you know, right. the, the film is what it is. Yeah. I was there to be someone's uncomfortable friend and presumably right. make him more acceptable by sheer comparison. Right. That was kind of my thing, too. I was the guy who was brought to the party because they were like, he'll know when it's not okay, and he'll do the thing that gets us all kicked out. That was my role, too. So <laughs> I am familiar. Uh, yeah, I remember because this movie became a, a thing for us, right? This was like one of those holy relic movies because it wasn't playing a lot of places. But we were at OzFest, actually. Oh, God. And Rob Zombie was one of the co-headliners, right? So we're at this giant outdoor festival. We're just, like, blasted out of our minds. And all of a sudden, this fucking storm rolls in, and it looks like an actual scene, like a hellmouth is opening, right? The dark clouds and the wind, it's raining on us. You're, like, trying to keep your joints lit. <laughs> and it's madness, right? And all of a sudden, the fucking, like, the storm sirens go off. And these red lights, right? They go off, and this giant screen lowers. And I think it's the first thing you see in the trailer is, uh, you know, Bill Mosley pulling the face up. And, you know, delivering a line, and we're all just like, what the fuck is happening? So we're just, like, baked. And so you're like, oh, my God. Like, it actually felt like something very evil and unsafe was happening. Right. I knew I shouldn't have come to OzFest. My mom was right. When she was crying as I left to go get McDonald's, I knew she was right. And so we saw the trailer in that context, and that title hits, right? House of a Thousand Corpses. And I was just like, oh, my God, nothing else matters in my life but seeing this movie. Like, that's all I could think about. And yeah, you know, being in Indiana, it's not like I can just walk into like a Regal and be like, oh, one for Rob Zombies, right. you know, uh, house, house movie, please. <laughs> so, so it became a really big fucking deal finding it. And when we found it, it was, it was kind of everything I wanted it to be, man. So you've seen it older now, Alex. What was your first, your yeah, first thoughts on this? My one? story is I watched it while giving my kid a nap. So that's uh, today. <laughs> today, today, right? Yeah. Today. Yeah. I was. <laughs> So my infant child slept on my uh, slept in my in my arms while I watched Bill while I watched Sid Haig just deliver one of my all time fave uh, monologues. Um, I don't know what I expected to be honest with you because I've seen <laughs> trailers for other Rob Zombie movies and 
I think I expected it to be a, a lot different. And it really was just like the most, if a movie was made by someone who made, who loved like, uh, Herschel Gordon, like, uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis and, um, uh, Tobe Hooper and all those guys, yeah. like a movie that's Tobe? just like, absolutely. We're, we're on first day basis. I call him Tobe. <laughs> but, a, but a guy who like loves those, that, like that variation of horror slasher, uh, mm. like murder movies that's just like oh like the relics of an era like they're relics and they come from a time and now they're like drive-in movies and honestly like mst3k send-ups so to <laughs> me what i expected was so different what i got was amazing and i fucking loved it i had a, I it was absolutely wonderful i was worried for you so that that's good man rob <laughs> what what are you what was your thoughts re-watching this movie uh to get ready for the show I, I mean, I don't know if it's just because of how taken with it I was, you know, when I was 17 or whatever, <laughs> or uh, or what, but it, it does seem to be, and I've seen it however many times since then, obviously, it does seem to be a case of diminishing returns for me, but it, it, <laughs> <laughs> but it is, there is a fair amount of uh, very positive nostalgia, if you could have that kind yeah. of a feeling for... A movie like House of a Thousand Corpses? I just imagine you on your couch like, more like House of 820 Corpses. <laughs> right? like, I've had enough of this. No, uh, no this I think the body the thing, counts though, the these... same. I, I don't, yeah, right? don't have a way to change that. Well, also, I was just like, is it a thousand? I don't know. There's a lot of skeletons in that hallway. Uh, it's not really in the house. Does that count? <laughs> I start doing the, the dead body accounting. But yeah, I think that's the thing I had forgotten is what I think I love most about this movie, I was... I was coming to the thought that I like that this kind of movie was just this guy had the clout right from becoming a rock star and he made a movie that I think has this kind of weird magic just because he he clearly isn't following the rules of filmmaking no. at all. He So the movie kind of plays like three separate movies and it, it reminded me it was kind of Grindhouse before Grindhouse right like it's not trying to be. Uh, you know, a parody as much as it's a love letter. And it yeah. doesn't have to do all the... Because it's just so... Like, they have the Spike Lee cutaways and the weird Rob Zombie, like, porn videos. I was like, yep. what in the <laughs> fuck is happening? But the fact that he had no... Because you see it now that he makes movies, right? He's making more traditional narrative flicks. Yeah. And this was the one where it just felt like he's like, what is... Because ev- I, I was stunned... By how many iconic slash iconoclastic images are in this movie? Every shot doesn't feels like it is chock full of something that really matters to him as a fanboy, right? Yeah. Like even the bunny suits that, that like I saw that and it like exploded in my mind. I'm like, how the fuck did I forget the bunny suits? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just insane how much he gets in. <laughs> I think that's a great way to put it. Is it it's it does all it ends up feeling like things that matter a lot to him. Yes, yeah, because because there's tons of shit that especially if you're not like a horror movie person. And luckily when I saw this, I had already like, that was just already. So I don't even really watch. I'm not really much of a movie person at all. If I'm honest, other than a few choice things, <laughs> but I will always watch a horror movie. And I've kind of, that's always been the thing I've been most interested in. So there's a lot of stuff that if that's not really your world or, or, or you haven't seen a fair few, you kind of go like, what the fuck even is this? Like what is happening <laughs> right now? You know? Yeah. But, man. um, <laughs> You know, it, it, like to me, it ends up playing uh, something that you could almost be critical of is it's it's like 
it's it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre adjacent, almost yes. entirely in premise. Yeah, but in a way more psychedelic way. Yeah, yeah, which is almost kind of encouraged by Bill Mosley being involved after he was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, and right, yeah. the nature of his character in that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's just. It is definitely like an homage or a love letter to this kind of uh, a certain breadth of the history of, of horror films. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like that it's basic. It, it's the way I was. It's it's like all of the aesthetics that make Rob Zombie popular and like that make him important to pop culture. It's like all of those things like centered to a single point in time. And that's what House of a Thousand Corpses is like. It's all of his creative powers put into one single, one single moment, and that's what the movie becomes. Because yeah, it's cut like it feels like it's cut by three different people. There's music video elements. There's just like <laughs> if some of it feels just like straight archival. Like I, I don't like I remember watching like reruns of like Gullardi when we were when we were kids in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause then like, cause Dr. Wolfenstein, I'm like, this has got to be because a hundred percent, dude, there are definitely elements of that in there. Yeah. And I think you're right. And it, it almost sounds like, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a fan of Rob Zombie period. I'm not a fan of Rob Zombie, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, but, but I, was, I, I, I really liked the movie for what it was, but yeah. having been familiar with his music it felt so on brand. It felt like yeah. a very, like the natural extension of his creative limb, you know? It, totally. It, like, yeah. It, it just was kind of like, oh no, I see like if, if this guy made this music, this guy made this film. That that all, <laughs> yes. that checks out. Yeah. Um, well, especially at that time, it felt like we were in this phase too, because this was when, if I remember correctly, it was a lot of Saw and Hostel. And then remakes of famous Japanese curse movies, right? So yeah. the ring had popped. Exactly. The grudge was coming. Yeah. So it felt like there was a scene when Otis is just screaming at the the girl, right? Yeah. And he's like, I'm trying to break away from these mechanical recreations. The worst <laughs> yeah. Bill Mosley impression ever because he has this – he's amazing in this movie. I fucking love Bill Mosley. He yeah. really is amazing in this movie. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean – it's one of those movies where he kind of takes all these guys that had had a run in a horror movie and he gives them a new polish and they're all fucking outstanding in this movie. Yeah. Cause again, he just, he made all of this so iconic for how weird it is and off putting like you were saying, but there's just this, it, it feels like Otis almost becomes this Uber Rob zombie. Yes. Right. And he's kind of screaming at the state of the horror movie. Cause as a fan who loves horror movies that much, he's like, I'm sick of these, you know, giant studio paint by number, you know, maybe it's all torture porn or it's all this. And out of nowhere, we just got this movie that kind of like his music. It's just, it catches your eye and you're like, what the fuck is this? It's different. Right. It's cause that's, that's as I I honed in on too. Cause me and Alex were debating earlier about why it kind of got shit on a lot when it came out. And I think if you're like a classic film person, you can take the easy shot, which is, Oh, well, you know, it doesn't do this right. The techniques, blah, blah. But I was like, it reminds me of, you know, how I used to hear people talk about, I can't remember who it was who said the quote, right? It was the Ramones or someone they were talking about. Uh, they just, they have so much more to say than they have talent to play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And it's like, what comes out of it is still cool, right? It's just this super high energy. The passion's there, even if the the polish isn't. Yeah. yeah. And that to me is almost more endearing. Yeah. I, I mean, get that. 
yeah i think it's weird again i i was i told both of you I, it's weird to me but not weird to me that this was not well received when it was released because <laughs> yeah there's like the richard ropers of the world who are like just a gory shock schlock fest who needs this in the modern movie market i'm like well obviously someone did because it's like mm-hmm. you know it's a big deal for some people and it's it, it's because it does its own thing that that's what makes it endearing and that's what keeps it like the rob zombie brand again rob doesn't like rob zombie but nevertheless we're sitting here talking about this movie like it's a movie that like each of like both of you have like stories of how you saw this movie and it resonated with you to keep that story alive like obviously it matters to people that this movie exists so it's weird (laughs) to me that people wouldn't see it for what it is. And I think that's the strangest part is like people would just chalk it up to modern, especially like what was coming out at that time, which is just like modern horror. And I can admit like probably at that time I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, uh, I hate it. I didn't want to, I don't like a hostel. I don't want to deal with like all the gore and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But honestly, this movie I thought was much more tame than I expected it to be. I really, what? I, How in impossible. the fuck? Do you- <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. Like it was. I think we just broke internet history. You're the first person who put "tame" in their Rob Zombie yeah. takeouts with thousand corpse I, I mean, I think that that's partially what I liked about it was just like what you were saying was it just felt like there are no rules anymore. It, it's like yeah. so mm-hmm. unabashedly heavy-handed. There yes. is n- there is no yeah. finesse. There's actually there's one brief moment of of what I will call high school finesse. And by that, I mean, like, I, I was really taken by it at the time, but now I'm just like, all right, that's pretty obvious. But there's the scene, it's got to be a full minute, where I don't even remember who it is. Probably Otis has a gun to the one guy's head. Camera Walter pans Goggins, out. Yeah. The music the fades Goggins. out. You just hear the birds. And yeah. you're just like, and it's super tense, obviously, because you're like, well, I know what's yes. going to happen. But it also, it's, <laughs> it's like this really... Um, I don't know. It feels like a film school beauty kind of moment right. that well, that's another know, that he probably now is like, yeah, I mean, I maybe <laughs> wouldn't have done that the same, but that's exact. Yeah. Like it feels like on that part of the movie, like everything revolving around like Walton Goggins and like when the cops show up feels like someone else made that part of the movie. What was, and then what was the like, first thing you said? Walton Goggins. Yeah. Mm. I don't, is that a person? That's the that's the cop. Yeah, he's the deputy who's gone guy. on to I be need, this. I need greater context. <laughs> yeah, real well, names. he's gone on to this like great comedy career. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's really strange, but but what it, I like about that movie too is I think sometimes because I I forget who, where I heard this right, but someone said like filmmaking is just the series of failures that become magic, right, or something <laughs> like that. Like you're just on set, and anyone who's worked on sets, you're like everything's rushed. You're out of money. You don't have time. And out of nowhere, like, something will hit, and you're like, oh, shit, right? You know, yeah. like a lens flare that just looks right, and everyone's like, what does that mean? It's like, well, it just happened, but now we have all this – we're ascribing right. what There's we lore. think. It <laughs> right. Yeah, and so for this moment, right, because I was watching it, and I, I actually found myself – I was, like, holding my breath. I was like, oh, yeah. my God. It was, it was like, really still totally. worked on me a lot. And I kind of liked the movie, too, because I don't know if – because this is the the phase where I feel like this is the third movie, right? Where this is the uh, the cops are going to go manhunting section. Yeah. And it's a little shorter. But in that moment when he shoots him, you're like, oh, now we're going to the Alice in Wonderland finale. Right. So abandon all hope, you know, ye who are watching. Like, right. there's no more. 
There aren't going to be cops. There's not going to be a suburban father. Like, there is nothing but, you know, an uber Nazi and a scarecrow Nazi doctor. Like, that's <laughs> awesome. what we're doing now. Yes. Right? So so that's when he's like, you know, it almost felt like he's like, this is what you think's going to happen, right? The cops are going to come in. They'll save a kid. Yeah. Nope, fuck you. <laughs> and he, <laughs> and, he kills, and, like, any expectation that he'll he'll uh, adjust to the medium. That That really is, like the final detachment you know what i mean and oh and, yeah and when you think of the narrative of the film like that or when you think of how it kind of how you're breaking it into sections <laughs> that does actually make that long silent tension more impactful where it's like well yeah. this is the death of hope and all the birds will fly away <laughs> and yes. that's it there is For only sure. death here from now on yeah there's no donald pleasance coming there's no super cops <laughs> like nope. we are just we're done all because when they I will not lie. I had forgotten about Earl, right? Like, I remember Dr. Satan and seeing him. I forgot that he kind of looks like a Robo Skeksis, right? Like, I kind of forgot right. some of that. I was like, all right, like, this is a weird setup. But, you know, he's like a 800-year-old, whatever. Like, he looks weird. That's cool. Right. But when Earl comes out in the gas mask, and I was like, oh, my God, I'd forgotten about the Uber Nazi that he's, like, he achieved his goal. He was experimenting on, you know, right. unfortunate. To make a super uh, yeah. soldier or whatever. And, yeah. I, and I had forgotten that Dr. Satan was clearly a Nazi. Like, when he started speaking German, it's like, how? Because that, that's what I'm that's what i struck was by in this movie. Was he speaking German? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I for had, sure. I could wow. not. That's how that I took it. Me neither. I didn't know that. Because I just... went back, like, three times, and I cranked my TV volume up. And I was like, holy fuck, he's a Nazi. Because I always thought he was, like, some hilljack. But then I'm like, well, how do you get all this medical expertise? I, I was like, m figured maybe he's like a farmer, a butcher, or some shit. They explained. I, like, I think he's supposed to be a Nazi doctor. No, they explained it earlier. He was working at a psychiatric hospital. Right, but I think he was. I think he fled, you know, from justice, and then started. He kept, you know, experimenting. That's my new take. When I saw that, I, that's so I was like, holy fuck, he's saying German stuff. That's a whole lot of backstory that I don't. That's what I, I don't mean, know that right? I'm supporting you on that, but. I... <laughs> I, that's uh, kind of the theme of the show is I say something and everyone goes, no, that's not in there. <laughs> I, I, I respect your uh, desire for depth in that character. To me, it's just absolute, <laughs> like, under his breath, may as well be speaking in tongues rambling yeah. of, yeah, a, of but, an ancient borderline homeless yeah. cyborg. <laughs> yeah. If there can be He's come up with his own language cyborg. now. Because that's why I was like, he's in, like, the, uh, the green room for the rejected experiments. And I was like, what? <laughs> Like he gives him TV, but like only a weird static place like, for him to. Yeah, and he's like, you know, you guys watch the static. I'll be over here, you know, in the, my red light operating. I was like, no. But I, then I thought about his fake trailer in the Grindhouse movie was Werewolves of the SS. So yeah. he'd already been in this kind of mode mm -hmm. of oh. escape German monsters. I was I like, maybe this too. was because it, it felt like this one again. This is where it gets into the Rob Zombie. Where I was like, we are really on the nose with. Uh, going down the rabbit hole in rabbit suits, getting your clothes ripped off, and being in the Alice outfit. Yeah, right. Right. Like this is like, it's like we're really on the nose here, but still. Yeah. I love it because it's. I mean, this is just the fucking. Cra Otis has his face painted now. They're doing some kind of cult ritual. Yeah. You know, it's. Well, it was Halloween. They were all in their costumes. You know. Yeah. I yeah. Right. Except for the guy whose job is to just be the tow truck, tow truck driver. Because I was like, that guy's really strong. You should put him to better murder work. And, and he is <laughs> he's such a weird character in the way that I think they like explain that he's part of the family. But he yeah. seems like he works there. He he doesn't. Seem, 
Like he wasn't yeah. at dinner. He but you know, no. like Baby wasn't at dinner, but she was preparing for the show. Like That's right. Rufus Jr. is just who fucking knows. He just shows up somewhere yeah. with an unbuttoned sleeveless flannel. Looking serious. That's just that's right. It. Yeah, I think but that's why I was like, thing- "That's such a zag." Because you're like, "When does a guy show up who looks like that?" The first time we see him, he's wearing some form of mammal on his head, whether it's <laughs> right. a bear, a wolverine, or a honey badger, and he's yeah. just like, "Hey, just and- kidding! I'm actually literally just gonna tow the car. Like, I am just a mechanic." <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's so crazy to me too, because like they start freaking out in the car when he shows up, and what somehow. The lone male character there was able to intuit, and maybe he saw the vehicle, but the way the camera shows it, it's like, oh, no, it's a guy with just, like, a wolf on his head? That's the tow truck guy. Don't worry. Yeah. Like, Chill wh- out. What? Nothing. Well, <laughs> that whole segment from the time we leave Captain Spaulding's till we get to the Firefly, I guess you would say all the way until, like, they think they're going to get away, right? Right. This is the segment where I was like, this is... <laughs> This is uh, the characters trying so desperately hard to not realize that they're in a horror movie, right? It kind of <laughs> right. has this met because everything that happens, they're just like, hmm, this seems all right, like yeah. weird, but we'll get through it. <laughs> it's like, like, it does feel like they really are like a Vice News crew. <laughs> like, this is what we do. We go to weird places and, you know, exploit people's sadnesses. Right. And then all of a sudden about the dinner, they're just like. Oh boy, well, this is not more, this is not breaking our way. Like, um, <laughs> it feels more like that documentary now parody, like the drones thing, yeah, right. where like they're all clearly in mortal danger, but they're just like, yeah. look how small this hallway is. But like <laughs> the <laughs> Sherry Moon Zombie might be the most like over. I, I've never seen an actor chew the scenery and it work like this before, but <sighs> she's so good. As this like over the top with this over the topness that yeah, man. it almost it, it 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 like Rain Wilson and Chris Hardwick sitting there just like being like totally into her whatever burlesque routine she's doing. Like <laughs> yeah, right. how could you not know like you're gonna get murdered, man? Like obviously something terrible is about to happen. They but, did not even to need they didn't need to build that tension in that way. That could have happened at dinner. Yeah. Though I mean I it guess I guess the part of the the show was just to show like how crazy this family t- right because when I think of that I'm like all right what's the action the actual like functional purpose of this scene because those two men in that especially yeah. during her performance are absolute fucking idiots and it's not <laughs> yeah. like the, the in I'm not blaming them as actors it's just like their reactions are so impossible. <laughs> In, in my opinion, that it's like I think having the appetite to eat popcorn during that is pretty shocking. Like that was the thing. I, was I like, think oh, I would ooh. be reaching for any creature comfort, heroin, <laughs> popcorn, whatever, anything to get me out of that house. But yeah, because that's <laughs> I like too that it just starts off with Grandpa's open mic that is literally just about munch and whap, and it is the best Grandma's whap too. And it's just like Chris Hardwick's like, Chris Hardwick in that moment's like, this will become my brand, right? (laughs) (laughs) Being falsely over-enthusiastic about things that I can uh, milk. (laughs) But uh, I will say this, though. I think they were being dumb, but in the opposite direction of you guys. Because once I'm in that house and I see Baby, you're like, I got to fuck my way into this family. Like, I'm in. Like, there's no getting out. I'm not staying with my, my normal suburban girlfriend like, 
I got to win her over. I got to win her over and join the family. I'll, I'll be the second tow truck brother. <laughs> we have very different survival styles, my yeah, friend. Yeah, for sure. That is not – that would not have been my gut instinct. No, mine either. I actually would have run as soon as I saw – Because you're like – you in that moment – my theory is is the moment, the very moment you see Karen Black in general, that's a giveaway. If that's not enough, Otis walks in, and Otis is – horrendous to take in in this film right he's all white he's got his red eyes whatever right a little detail that i had totally forgot he just brings his dead baby or baby brother in a yeah, jar dude. to dinner and i was like well once i see that you're like all right how am i fucking in right. i'm how good. am i fucking in dude because <laughs> uh, i'm definitely dead nope i've never been at a table with a dead baby but if that happened I would throw everyone I know under the bus and be like, how am I getting out of this house? No, I, I suppose to some extent. And, I mean, this is me kind of trying to give the benefit of the doubt to, again, a film that is very intentionally heavy-handed. They could have done this in more subtle ways. But uh, maybe, maybe the thought or the idea was like, well, this is just some Halloween shit. We don't really know... And uh, that's that's that. not true. It doesn't read like that. I'm just I'm just trying to make sense of it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I appreciate it's not the, that. It's not the best script ever written. It's not the best acting. <laughs> Listen, I, it's, like, you once know. you see Otis and Tiny sitting there doing whatever Tiny's doing, Tiny's the best because he has lighthearted clothes on the yeah. whole time. Whole time. That's right. I love that. I want that how I want that Halloween shirt badly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That that yeah, scene where he goes in the basement and he's just like eating cereal in front of the girl, like that. Yeah, I, was I get just the like, Krispies, yeah. This is the fucking movie right here, man. Like this is this is the best acting I've seen the entire film. But literally, think about what that scene is, right? It's a great case study in what House of Thousand Corpses is. Is here's a girl chained up. Here is this giant, terrifying burn victim with a you know gimp mask who then has a comical cheap ass Halloween costume shirt on, who's eating pun cereal sloppily. And the lady's like, let me escape. And supposedly he has he's a heart like, of gold. Okay. He's like, all right. She escapes only to be grabbed by Otis, sure. who's one of the scariest movie characters ever. And then in a nod that we don't even acknowledge, she gets thrown into a basement cage that women just pop up from under the blankets and start mauling her. And that we was... never come back to it. No. And that's so And Otis turns too. to look at Tiny, and Tiny just goes, huh? And I was like, that's everything that is great about this film in one, like, three-minute segment <laughs> That may as well have been the zoom in, like an old Looney Tunes thing on his face. <laughs> Just da 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 da. da. Um, but yeah, and that dude, would have been fine. That's a fucking missed opportunity, right there. I forgot about the moment where she gets thrown into that room because it's like what, and that's what you think. You're like, oh, they're gonna eat this chick for sure. But <laughs> no, I don't know. Then we just cut to a meat shack it, with other te like cheerleaders and uh, the daughter. You're like, what is happening? It just never, it never gets talked about. It's just one of those things. It, uh, it's again, like a ball pit, except for it's people. Right. But there, there is a, there is a way to think of House of a Thousand Corpses, though, to me, which is, and actually, I'll say one of the great surprises is it of this film to me is that he went on to make the streamlined studio narrative version, right, which is Devil's Rejects, right. And it's really, really fucking good. Most people prefer it to House of a Thousand Corpses. I actually don't because I, I like the strangeness. Because to me, it's, Same. it's such like this movie literally becomes Captain Spaulding's Roadhouse attraction. Where you're just like, it's just something you just don't see, right? And he goes for it in such a weird way. It's just 
this hodgepodge of old clips of movies I used to like and Spike Lee cutaways and you know people just I mean it's it's just fucking mad and the more you start explaining and trying to like have it make any form of sense I feel like it's gonna you know like it's it's like Rob Zombie's music it's like it's pretty much there like you should get it right off the bat like do I did I know what a Dragula was no I still don't (laughs) you know I used to think it was Dragula Van for a long time I thought it was like a pun on a band name but yeah like the more I start digging into it it ruins whatever's happening No, I'm I'm with you, and I think part of it for me was hearing you know the Devil's Reject being the sequel. Mm-hmm. It was I it it felt more like an action movie, and and I can see how maybe I don't know if it had no. more money behind it, if it had a bigger studio behind. I don't I don't know any of the business end of it, but it seemed like something that was intended to be more palatable, but still have mm-hmm. the kind of absolute uh, horror show of these individuals. But it lacked like the absolute chaos that I found yes. so endearing about House of a Thousand Corpses. Like I, I loved how absolute <laughs> insane it was. I loved that there was a, a, a body pit room that the girl got just dragged into, and it was yeah. no, that's fine, whatever it is. With it. Like I, I, I love all those moments, and I think like yeah. the the brother seeking revenge for his for you know the the cop that was killed and like. All that shit felt too like like where's Tarantino to me like it I don't know it yeah. it, it it was it was just too different in my opinion um, yeah. from from House of a Thousand Corpses. I mean I I dug it because it that's like the fun experiment where it's like you pull these people out of Wonderland right it's like what if like the Mad Hatter came to our world and when you see Otis and Baby and Spalding interacting with like normals right. you're like holy shit. Because I would argue the characters in this movie are not wildly relatable. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> well, guess no. now, like, not when this movie came out, but now that everyone's, like, an influencer and a podcaster and shit, you're like, all right. Like, I, I can imagine these people existing out here. <laughs> 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 but um, what what I like, too, is is there's this weird this weird thing the movie does, right, where it's this it's so hyper-stylized that it refuses to let you fall into the reality of the movie. Right. So everything is at this arm's length. Right. You're like you're seeing this horrible shit. But you're like, it's like Spalding's ride, you know, because every time they cut away to like the, you know, tits and skeleton dance or whatever, you're like, all right, well, I'm back out. But like, it's cool. But like, I'm not in the world anymore. Right. But he does this weird thing, too, where he adds the the documentary scenes where it's just Otis and baby like talking through their. Because the, the scene that I thought was really cool was when a uh, baby gets picked up and it's just that Texas Chainsaw moment. Yeah. Never pick up a crazy person in the middle of nowhere. Right. Right? And if it is a person in the middle of nowhere, just assume they're crazy and drive the fuck on. Right? <laughs> and as she's trying to be nice and like, I know where Dr. Satan's tree is. You just cut away and she's like, kill, kill him. Whatever's got to be done, kill right. it. Yeah. And it's this weird, like, because he's doing it, so now it feels like, a lifetime recreation of the horrors that <laughs> we're watching. So you're like, is it real? It's a pretty cool trick. And again, I don't know that any of that was intentional, <laughs> but yeah. it was a cool effect. Yeah. It's like the, the, the narrative devices and it normally is like an attempt to humanize someone, but it's, it's yeah. humanizing the least human people you possibly can. Yeah. yeah. And That's just that juxtaposition is interesting, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that this movie is like, the attempt at subtext is it's just text like the <laughs> like, right. like that i'd scene like to know which scene was the attempt yeah like that scene particularly <laughs> where she does that and then you cut to that stuff you're like 
cool. I don't need to know. I mean, I thought she was crazy, but now I just have confirmation. So I need right. like no nothing else to know about her past that. <laughs> and everything she does is justified. Again, it's just like this constant hammering of just text. It's not about like there's no subtlety in this movie. There's no like, well, we wanted to explore the psychological ramifications oh no dude you're wrong no fuck that this This was the struggle of real america that's so easily forgotten by you coastal elites that we have to (laughs) scream into the void and commit acts of horror so that you'll put us on your fancy network shows i live in indiana so i feel very much like a firefly (laughs) i'm just one bucket of chicken away from going on i i I took it a little different than that i i took it as a like they were they were so isolated that it was just sincerely like this is what we do right and that's like he's making fun of them and saying like oh yeah you worked scooping ice cream to your friends or whatever and he you know for him it's like no my work is i take people and put their heads on fish bodies like you don't understand how hard that work is right (laughs) but that scene was so kick-ass because i had forgotten that otis had like this theatrical side i just remember him block Oh, but when he does that and he's like, he opened me up, right? And when you see Fish Dwight, you're just like, holy shit. It's so awesome and weird. Fish Dwight. And it just, like, it just all worked, right? Like, and that's, I'd forgotten about the theatricality, right? When he puts the dad suit on. Dude. He's trying to make out with the dot. I mean. And they have that, like, song, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell? So, but that's the other cool thing too is like what the longer the movie goes on, and once you get to the graveyard with the hundreds of corpses and the skeleton row, you're like, so this is a place where people can just be driving in the middle of our country and just be gone. Yeah. And they've obviously gotten away with this for a really fucking long (laughs) time. You know, it's, it's, it becomes extra. It was so much, I think that's what I had forgotten, right? Because I remember the heavy handedness. But I think there's a value in the fact that Rob Zombie essentially made this like a greatest hits record where it's just every (laughs) scene is set up as its own thing where whatever he's doing, right? Like there's this one thing where they have a giant wall sized creature from the Black Lagoon in one of the murder rooms. And I was like, where the fuck did the Firefly family come across that? Is one of them like a painter? Like what in the fuck? Did they spend like thousands of dollars to get that into their hoard? I don't know. But (laughs) Every scene, he said, I'm not wasting a wall. I'm not wasting a space. I'm going to fill this with things that I love, right? And, you know, I, th- I think that's – because the thing is, like, I mean, we've seen Rob Zombie now make enough movies, and we've seen him make more traditional horror movies. And I like Rob Zombie. I think he's really good at making horror movies. But I think this one just has more value because it's more – like you said, right? You're like, it's so on brand for him. I don't think anyone else could have made this movie. No. Right? And I think those are always filmmakers' best things is when you're like, oh, no one else. Like, when I saw Shape of Water, right? Whatever you think of that movie, I was like, that had to be Guillermo del Toro. Like, no one else could have made that movie as, you know, endearing as it was. And that's how, obviously, this one's not very endearing. <laughs> yes. This but is a very it's different the same setup. Like, Rob Zombie had to make this movie or else we wouldn't have it. Right. Well, that that ends up becoming an interesting thing in The Devil's Rejects, though. Is you do kind of, they do end up being the protagonists in a weird way. By the end of the film, you're like, damn, they are a family though. I I, I don't know if I hope it goes well for them or not, but like, oh fuck, you know, That's like, it really bonded it's, on this road trip. It's it, amazing. Yeah, it, it really is a weird, a weird flip of the script there. Um, so I have to say because I, I didn't, I didn't realize I was Chris Hardwick. 
Um, oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I also didn't care or look into it. But I do. I did like. First of all, I always forget that's Rain Wilson until I watch the movie. I'm like, mm. that's what a what a weird thing. But then I <laughs> I always, as of more recent years, I want Chris Hardwick's character to be Charlie Day. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, it obviously isn't. But yeah, there are just dude. so many moments yes. that I'm like, oh shit, that would have been awesome. Yeah. God. <laughs> how damn. he ended up in this movie is baffling to me. I mean, like, I don't know how. I mean, I guess he was kind of an actor at that point. Not but. really. I mean, he was. A, I knew he had been a comedian, and the only other thing mm-hmm. I had remembered him from was singled out as the host. Oh right. yeah. yeah, that's true. Like maybe he did a write right. up on the Nerdist, and they're like, "Do you just want to come to set every day?" <laughs> like, I, don't I mean, know. could be. I mean, again, he's one of those guys who's just. I mean, not anymore, but he like bounced around nerd culture for so long, and this yeah. was like in like Fangoria and all that stuff was kind of his wheelhouse. So. But again, I'm I never I didn't think he was an actual actor. I just thought he was like a guy. And when I saw him in the movie, I was like, wait, is Chris Hardwick in this as like a gag? Or Yeah. He, yeah and and I'll be weird. up front, I do not like his shtick at all. Like when Damn. I used I used to begrudgingly watch that after show of The Walking Dead. <laughs> I just loved The Walking Dead when it came out so much and I was like, Oh, I hate this fucking guy. Like every time I'd get so <laughs> mad, but you're like, Where else am I gonna get the deets? Where am I gonna get the juice, you know? And so, but I'll give him credit after saying I hate his guts. Uh, I think he's pretty good in this movie. He's honestly pretty good. But uh, that was the other thing I took, too, thinking about, like, thinking back on actors. This is the first time I'd watched this since Sid Haig passed away. And it made me so insanely sad today because him as Captain Spaulding. I don't know where I would rank him, but amongst my all-time favorite horror movie characters. Yes. It is just that actor who was in a lot of stuff and you kind of knew him. He was there in the genre. And this is, I mean, you just couldn't have cast Captain Spaulding any fucking better to me. I agree with that. Yeah. He, he is such a badass. He's so oh my good. God. He, again, like that opener with him is, I mean, you could, you could put that next to like the opening scene of literally any other movie. I'd say that <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah, well, there's a version of this movie where the House of a Thousand Corpses is just on his property somewhere. Yeah. And that murder ride is some kind of like his thing. And you're like, I would have done that. I would have done a whole movie with him. And by the second one, he's kind of become just like, it's more about like just the normal guy. Right? I like the used car salesman clown version of him in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when the guy comes in with the gun to his head, he's like, fuck your mother. Yeah. Fuck your As sister. he counts. That's so it's, good. I mean, I was just like, it was one of those things where I... I Cause I forgot how they just like go in fast and hard in this movie. And I was just eating it up and, and him on the ride too. stunner, man. I mean, it, it's just cool when these guys find, find the role eventually. Yeah. Cause if he hadn't been in this movie, I, I think he kind of gets relegated, right? Only the most hardcore fans know, but I mean, you can go every time I go to a metal show, there's a captain Spaulding face shirt for sure <laughs> in that crowd. There every were, one of them. I, the, the, that scene during the stick up and he sticks the piece of chicken in that guy's face. I almost, <laughs> I almost woke my uh, kid up laughing. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and he, he does this great thing. I'd kind of forgotten how good he was at it, but the seat, he has like three of these moments, right? Where he's talking and doing his funny clown thing, but he does it with the cop really well where, cause Rob Zombie does this weird push in like 50 times. 
is if every time he does something to remind you it's a movie, right? He's like, no, come back in. I'll force you into the reality, right? Like, you can't escape. It's a fucking vortex or whatever. But he does it really well on Spalding a couple of times where he's kind of doing his jokey thing. Like when Hardwick's asking him the questions. Right. Or uh, Dwight, and he's just like, why are you asking so many jackassy yeah. questions? And it just pushes in. And as his face drops, you're like, oh, my fucking God, dude, you got to get out of there. <laughs> and, like, we'd already seen him murder a guy, and you're still re-scared. Because you don't know what, what is even beyond that. <laughs> we, we saw him murder a guy and then heard him say, motherfucker got blood on my good clown shoes. Yes. Come on, man. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, and he's, when he puts on the Apollo Creed outfit, too, for the, the little uh, tour, I, God, I, I was really sad today watching that because it is just awesome that Sid Haig got so to do that. Funny. <laughs> and, oh, I, and sorry, also forgot this detail. After he shoots the guy in the head, he brings the barrel of the gun to his nose. He goes. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, the, the consummate showman. <laughs> so, I, so satisfied. I read apparently this was like unintentionally funny. And this is like kind of one of the things that uh, I was reading about like Rob Zombie. Like I didn't mean to make it like funny or kind of campy in a lot of ways, but it just sort of happened. And like, he like he, he just said, I just went he didn't it. mean to make it in campy. general. Yeah. Get like he fuck. was he like oh, he, shit. <laughs> In some interview, he's like, that was not my intention. And I, I'm like, how do you make a movie like this with Sid Haig as that character yeah. and not make this intentionally, like, kind of campy, like, weird, goofy, hijinksy Looney Tunes? And not, like, how, again, like, Rob said it best. I mean, how hey, do you not do get Do you remember this? the one shot, though, Alex? How do you do that and not make it? There's a shot that made me question that maybe a little bit, right? Remember the cutaway? I think it's in the Alice in Wonderland segment where we just cut to the uh, the African-American guy sitting on the roadside and he's got like the watchman oh, signs, yeah. like foretelling societal dooms. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is that guy doing in this movie? <laughs> he's like, cut what off, He's cut in and out throughout the whole thing. Is he is really? He really? Okay, because I, I noticed him in that moment and it was one of those. Yeah, he's earlier oh in the God. movie like freaking out. What? Pointing a rifle uh, at the camera, if I remember correctly. Okay. Wow. Yeah, because that would caught me off guard. I, I was like, Yeah, honestly, the first time I saw him was like he in was the middle doing of the like movie. A, and, and yeah, because so, it, it plays parallel to Natural Born Killers a little bit too, where it's like, does he think he's like the the new metal Oliver Stone? Like, what are we doing here with this guy? <laughs> well, like, admittedly, you even because most of those cutaways, unless they actually had the characters from the movie in them, I really didn't pay that much attention to, if I'm honest. I, no, me neither. No. But, but so like like that one, <laughs> uh, it was just like this is just a, a, a you know just one of these harbingers, just one of these guys. It's like the end. Yeah, is right. the, um, but and then there's the guy talking about the skunk ape, and that's yeah. a whole oh yeah the skunk thing. ape that fucked his wife. Yeah, I but don't then know. it shows the girl running to Doctor Satan. Yeah, that one was again. I but see okay so here's another example that like I think that's kind of the fun thing too is Rob Zombie just it felt like every image he had in his head that he thought was cool he's like I'm putting it in here because here's the scene I was like why is this the thing uh when they go to red hot pussy liquor which is the greatest name for any liquor store yeah. in anything fictional ever you know for a fact that he it's like that and the titty twister yeah the name of the bar <laughs> right. from uh from Dustle Dustle Dog. Dog. those are the two best yeah. But so, you know, he just thought that was funny. Yeah. And he's like, well, I have this joke for a guy named Go Uber. 
Yeah. Like I gotta use the goober joke. Like that'll that'll slay, right? Because I was like, why? Oh, why do we stop mid massacre? Right? Because I believe it's right after the slow mo murder of the cop. Yeah. We do this interlude to Red Hot Pussy Liquor before we see the dad suit and the bunnies. And I was like, why are you stopping the movie right now? But it kind of works in a weird, like, fleshing out this town way. Yeah. Then I was like, oh, everyone here is like a fucking creep. Well, <laughs> so I, I don't, I it just like blows my mind that that, that, that he was able to get away with some of that shit too is kind of funny. I think to me, at least, that, that helps establish their characters in the way that yeah. it's like, this shit is so normal for them. Like they have to run to the store. Like I, I sorry. it's just like we gotta. Yeah, we'll get. We back gotta go to get two hundred dollars worth of vodka. Right. We'll we, right gotta, we gotta fuel up. They're like Mondays. Am I right? I love <laughs> exactly. That is how that reads for sure. I love that in this ninety-minute movie, the world that we're living in doesn't seem shocking to me in a lot of ways. Like that kind of stuff. That's the best part about this movie is everything feels lived in. So I'm yeah. So I get to laugh at like red hot pussy liquor, like I like those kinds of things. I'm laughing at, and then in the back of my head, I'm like, people are about to get murdered for sure in this movie. Like this is like horrible what's <laughs> happening, but I am just dying laughing at the name of this liquor store. Like yeah, that is well the fact that he made that store and then he's like, what comedy? What are you talking about? Like come on, that's a, yeah, same thing. Like the line <laughs> about got Bullshit. blood on my clown shoes. Like come on, yeah, exactly. You How know. is that gonna be taken? How like it's who, funny. Who else would make? Who else? Would, who would say that line and it not be funny? Like right. no. Maybe he was worried he didn't have the bona fides yet in the horror community. But I was like, you're Rob Zombie. You're a rock you're star. Rob Zombie. You're fine. Yeah, your yeah. wife's like flashing her tits all over the movie. Like you gotta have more self confidence, Rob. <laughs> You got to work on this. <laughs> I, I will say, as someone that has seen a fair few of his movies, I, I I love and respect how much he seems to love his wife and think she's attractive and talented. I'm fucking done with her. I'm done. I'm <laughs> I was done. waiting for the haymaker, Dude. right? I was waiting for you to get off your scarecrow pole and attack the marriage. <laughs> there, there, have been, there have been too many. I, I was burnt out on her a very long time ago. Yeah. And, I, you know, again, I'm very happy for them as a couple, apparently. But I, it's just... <laughs> For fuck's sake, man. I I think she's like kind of devastating in this movie. Her everything about her is so fucking obnoxious that it it really I mean it's the weird Rob Zombie thing, right? Because even in the pussy liquor scene, right? She kind of plays a normal like she tones it down a lot. She's not in character. And I was like, that shows some decision making. It's not bad. And by the time she got to Lords of Salem, I I thought she was a passable actress she's pretty good in she that. does in that scene say we like to get fucked up and do fucked up shit or you just mean her let actual me, let delivery me tell you this. as an actress as a guy who lives in the midwest right and i have some relatives that live further out from society and this and that uh those people <laughs> are everywhere right no, and i think I, it's the I, weird thing that it feels unnatural in a rob zombie movie right like when you watch his halloween that breakfast scene with the in the Strode house where the guys, oh, fuck you. Yeah. And like there's a baby screen. You're like, this is unpalatable to say the least, right? Like, I hate this and I want to turn this movie off. Those people are kind of everywhere, right? Like when I go to a bar, you'll hear people just saying shit like that. Because I think there's this thing about some people they feel looked down upon. And they're like, well, I'm going to push your buttons. And if you stay, then we're cool. And I was like, so I, I hear shit like that a lot. <laughs> I, I guess I'm, I'm just saying, are you referring to 
her acting or her character in that scene. You know what I mean? <laughs> her, her character. I okay. Yeah, I mean, I. I but guess, I'll tell you this. I guess if that's that if, down. if her acting that way was here in bars that I drink in, she would be able to easily kill so many uh, overweight guys in hoodies, like so many. Like, <laughs> like they would need a they would need a bigger house, right? <laughs> The House of 1,000 Portly Corpses. That would be the, the movie. Slightly larger house. Yeah. yeah. More of a mansion. More of a, a, yeah, a, for sure, a, man. A state. A state of 1,000 corpses. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, it's so... I, yeah, I don't... It's it. I just... I look back on it, and I started to wonder to myself, I was like, do you think we'll get more movies like this nowadays or less? Because I was trying to think, what's the last movie that really hit me like this? You know what I mean? Where it's just you can tell that someone's just all out going for it without any worry about the structure and like rules of a film, right? right. And it just kind of yields this perfect bouquet of insanity to me. I don't think you're going to see a movie like this again. Like, I mean, you'll see things that are similar to it maybe, but I mean, yeah. especially right now, I'd say no just because we're in this time of like Jordan Peele, Ari Aster, like people who are making like really yeah. much. We got the rise of the arty horror flick coming back. Much what 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 the rise of the what? art the oh, arty yeah. horror We're flick. Like right? an, they call them elevated horror flicks, which um, I think is the most horseshit term. Of all yeah, there. like that's really rude. I think. I mean, but yeah, I, right? yeah, I think we're in this time of like very specific. Like Dave Eggers is another one who makes like absolutely bananas movies that ha that mm. fit this mold. So I think we're going through this like art house period right now in in terms of like And after that movies. after that we'll need a good uh we'll, we'll need, need a good Lara Dirt. We'll need to dirt it up. We'll need another right? we'll need another Rob Zombie. <laughs> Who might he be? Or well, she I, mean, that's, I couldn't tell you. I was watching that movie and to me I was like, this has to become a manifesto for independent filmmakers. Right? Like this movie I Seth Rogan says that about Total Recall, right? He said, I saw that movie and I knew that audiences will go as far as you want them to if it's good, right? Because Total Recall is fucking insane, but our aunts and uncles watched it. Right. And we're like, oh, cool. Right? <laughs> like, and this movie is like that, not like our aunts and uncles would probably watch it. But it, I think he, he actually was a lot better filmmaker than people give him credit for in this attempt. I think there's some really good work done in this movie. And I was like, I think if you just... I think that's the cool thing, right? The fact that it meant so much to him, it feels like. I just think there's always going to be room for that, man. And you'll get these weird little gems popping up more and more often, hopefully. Yeah. That's my hope. Rob? Anyone else have any final thoughts final on thoughts? House of a Thousand Court? Rob, wrap it up, man. I, I mean, I don't I don't have the, uh, the filmmaking knowledge that you guys have. So I, I watch movies from a far more... Um, I don't know the word pedestrian perspective. <laughs> um, now you're elevating us. Wow, no, we're not. I'm in. I feel so. Jeez. But yeah, I mean, I did I, have a D plus average when I got out of film school. So. <laughs> well, I never even went to film school, so there's that. But um, so, I mean, I, I, like we've already touched on. I mean, I, I think it's a really cool movie because it is this kind of homage love letter to the the classics that sort of elevated the genre to to being oh i hate to even associate this word with anything i care about an american staple but um it, it is pure chaos and absolute bedlam in the best possible yeah. way yeah yeah absolutely i think i mean 
I'm so glad that this was, I'm so glad that we took this opportunity to, that I got this opportunity to watch it. Cause I, I'll tell you any other time I would not have done this on my own. So watching it now, <laughs> how far would you have made it in if this wasn't for Rob? I wouldn't have. You would probably would have when asked. Would you have turned it off? Had you turned it on? I would. I'll tell you right now. You would have told me to watch. <laughs> you would have asked me to watch it for one of these months, and I would have been like, "I'm not watching that movie." Uh, yeah, I'm not Rob. I get it. I get it. Yes, but I'm glad. I'm glad you came on. I mean, to me, I'm just. I'm struck by again. I come back to the iconic, and iconoclastic. Right for a first time filmmaker and writer, and he had had experience with music videos and you know a really popular music career and all that. But he finds so many images. And I think for horror movies, the image travels way farther than a lot of genres. Yes. And there are just things in this movie that will never, ever be able to be scrubbed from my brain. Like, he he scarred me at a young age and in the best kind of way, mm -hmm. right? And so there are just things that I'll always have in my head. And he put those there, right? So whether his craft and his transitions and all these kind of things that, you know, the invisible hand of movies, you know, they talk about aren't there. This is like the most visible brass knuckled fucking technicolored hand of all time. But uh, he finds the moment in the image because he's a guy who loves the shit as much, if not probably way more than most of us. Yes. And to me that that has value, man. We don't need all these streamlined movies. I just I want to I want to be burned, you know, and I think that's what this movie accomplishes. <laughs> true well i th and i think that's that's a cool point too is in horror movies especially the the imagery and and things go a long way mm -hmm. and you know he's undoubtedly someone that is is well studied in and understands the aesthetic of a horror film yeah in general you know so that that it becomes so effective already just for those reasons for sure man well this was a great pick rob thank you for uh joining us in our october Descent into the horror abyss, man. Uh, you want to uh, plug anything on the show? No. <laughs> <laughs> Rob does uh, stuff, you know, in a place. Yeah. That's Rob. That's all you need <laughs> to know. Those are things I do. That's Rob. I, I appreciate that, unlike Rob Zombie's wife, you're not trying to take any spotlight for yourself. <laughs> you're letting Rob have his moment. I, the Rob. I avoided it at all costs. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we appreciate you, you so coming much, on. Man. What a great movie, man. Cool, yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, yes. yeah. And you're welcome back anytime. The next time we find a, an insane uh, heavy metal horror movie, we'll give you a shout, man. Or, or even just other horror movies. <laughs> or even, we do a lot. I'm always give, telling you Alex give me to assignments, do you know, like not unlike how I apparently gave to Alex. Rob's on a <laughs> Rob, I've got one for you. We actually did a show on it. It's called The Lure. The Lure? Yes. The lure. It is essentially a Swedish mermaid nightmare, but it has like really awesome kind of Russian techno Dude, uh, musical that one, stuff. That one might not be for me. I'm going to be <laughs> There were too many but words if it in is. that. I was like, Ew. Yeah. <laughs> but see, that's how you think, right? Like a lot of times. You should have just led with Russian first. techno. That's Rob's genre. So I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If you're into tattoo and the little mermaid. <laughs> And murders. That's the movie. For you. I, I, I do. I do want to mention just for anyone that's listening because it's it's anomalous and interesting. My other pick was Halloween three. 
season yes. of the witch which i don't know are you guys talking about that in any of the other ones i don't want to we say are we're, we're, we're doing all of the halloween all the movies Halloweens. and we have not yet done halloween three you're more than welcome to join oh. us because i would argue it's the second best halloween movie dudes it's my favorite franchise it's my absolute favorite franchise um and it is weirdly good in a way that i find upset with myself <laughs> 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 yeah, we're about we're about halfway through. We made a really uh, in depth case as to why Halloween Resurrection is way better than people remember. Yeah. So yeah, but we've got Halloween three still. Yeah. So you're more than welcome yeah. to come back. I we think- haven't gotten to the Rob Zombie Halloween yet because I'm worried about Alex in those. I'm worried about him. I <laughs> I'm I'm kind of with Alex on these ones. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least I Season mean, of the Witch, though. Rob, I'm you, glad you love it. I, I fucking love that I movie. I think we're going to have to bring you back for Season of the Witch then, man. <laughs> oh, let's do it. I'd love Sweet. to. I don't yes. know anything about right, movies, guys. but I've seen that one many, many Neither times. Neither do we, and that's why we do this pod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never stopped us before. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, thank you so much, man. Appreciate you coming on the show. We'll see you for Season of the Witch then. Yep. Yes. I'll see you then. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.